Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. So good evening everyone. This is our very first Loud and Clear and I am so excited. Excited for many reasons. Excited because we're talking about love right and we're going to be getting a lot of answers to our questions we're going to be getting a lot of clarity a lot of wisdom right that means that a lot of people are going to be saved today a lot of people are going to be delivered it's so much excitement actually i can imagine heaven dancing at this point that yay something amazing is about to happen here on earth yeah so today all your love related questions are going to be answered and our senior pastor is coming in right now. I want you to scream, make noise as we accept our pastor on. Okay, amazing, amazing. Good evening, pastor. Good evening, Good evening. Mrs. Abolari. <laughs> I do. Good evening, sir. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. How are you doing this evening, too? Very well. well thank you. Thank you. Good Great. to see everyone on the call. <laughs> All right. Amazing. Yeah. Good to see you, Pastor. So very quickly, we're going to jump right into this. This is the first loud and clear session. So I think I was just going to ask you in about a minute, how do you feel having to answer people's questions about love? And, you know, so many things that, I mean, a lot of people have hot takes now on Twitter, on social media. There was something that we saw during the week, uh, trended amongst pillars, pillars, make some noise. And um, we saw how someone was confidently saying, oh, um, a submission has to be earned. If, you're, if I'm going to submit to you, that means that you're going to be providing all of my needs. I'm not... And she said something really, really interesting. She said, because you've taken away every other person that used to provide those things for me. So now if I'm going to be submitting to just you, that means that you're giving me everything that I need. I mean, if you give me everything I need, that means that my knees on the ground before you wake up, I can lie down, you walk over me. So what are your thoughts, Pastor? Is that how submission should you be? Know Great question. Um, thank you. Great to be here once again, and I'm excited that we're doing this. And I believe it's going to be the beginning of a lot more of this kind of um, social reengineering by the help of the wisdom that comes from God's word. In Jesus' name. All right. Um, so um, about that particular video, right? I, I, I saw the video, and video is the fact that. The lady already assumes the place of a transactional partner, all right? So she's really not interested in the concept of love. It is a concept of the highest bidder as far as her relationship is concerned. And so yeah. if the guy uh, comes in and he's mm, able to mm, defeat all the other previous providers, then mm, he stands a chance mm, at getting her submission. So it's a very mm. transactional ideology and perspective to have about relationship. Mm. And then, of course, mm. while I was, you know, watching it, I was telling my wife, because she was the one that shared it with me, I was telling her that, ah, this one don't start up, oh. I mean, because <laughs> you need funding. Because that's, that's the way she has positioned herself, almost like I'm anybody sure coming into my life must be a Goliath in provision, you know, because I'm mm -hmm. a startup that's going to always need 
Mm. I'm going to wreck you if you don't have enough to sustain my needs. Mm. And so sincerely, you're just putting a very big disclaimer on our head that if you really know what you're doing, don't come near me because I'm only interested in your money. She did not even point out to other areas. And like we said last week, financial capacity is a false indicator of readiness in marriage. All right, we're not going to all of the details, but you should get that teaching if you've not. Listen to that. And trust me, there are a lot of things that are wrong with that. Another thing we could say that is wrong with that take is the fact that she defeats the whole idea of God being your provider. All right, mm. the man mm. should be provided for by God independently before they come together. If one person is a you know a, a leech that is just looking for how to take advantage of the other person before they ever even came together, and not is not um, all sufficient. Mm -hmm. No matter how much money it has, it is subject to diminish, diminishing returns. And so that means if the only mm -hmm. thing that happens in that relationship is that one person continues to take from another, there will come a time that that money would get exhausted and nobody will have anything to share anymore. Mm. The man will not have, the woman will not have, because she has no intention of giving in that relationship. It's all about collecting. And the only thing valuable she can give is sex and massage, like she has said in, a, in, 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 the, you know, in the video. So you give me provisions, give me money, give mm. me everything that other people could have provided for me while you know, I was still in the market. Now they have come and you have eliminated all those other options that I have then uh, my entire needs are now on your head and you're on your neck. And the only thing I can give you in return is sex. And that's, that's like the basest, you know, thing that a woman can give in a, in, in a, in a relationship. There are a lot more, you know, to, to, to give in a relationship than just giving sex. Trust me. We are not mm. animals in that sense, that the only value that a woman can provide um, mm. is the sex in marriage. Come on. Mm. That says a woman that lacks discretion is like when you put gold in a, in a pig's snout. Mm. Do you see? You know, that, that's what it is when a woman lacks discretion. And so if all you think you are providing the man is sex and massage, then you already mm. devalued yourself. And you think you are so needy and transactional that all the man needs to do to get you in marriage is to have enough money. Then you're just an item in the market. You're not more than that. And so it's, it's hey. wrong on all levels. And I don't want to go into all of the other layers of dysfunction that are that that video reeks off. But that tells you the things that are trending in our world mm. today and why we mm. need to have these conversations from time to time so that we can, you know, push the truth out there as, as well because a lot of lies have been peddled and it's trending for all the wrong reasons. People are jumping on it and saying, wow, yes, go girl and stuff like that. And we need people to just stand up and teach the truth of God's word the way it is. Praise God. Wow. Wow. I've not heard such a deep analysis of this particular video like so far so good so good we are not animals we are not animals really and i think it's interesting how the society has made it seem like you know your 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 value as a woman really sex like just be that sex machine be that person that can bring sex to the table and then that's all that i mean there's obviously so much more. Obviously, so, and, and I'm, more. I'm excited. So, so much more. I'm excited about this already. <laughs> we are going to be the truth is going to be coming out loud and clear. If you are still with us, can I see you type loud and clear, loud and clear tonight? Amazing. Loud and clear. <laughs> Amazing. Nice, nice. Okay, so um, we have a number of questions. We have so many questions. I think we got about over thirty something questions for tonight's session. Amazing. But um, so we just discussed the matter of transactional relationships, right? But there's something else that bothers a lot of people. So, aside money, which is a major 
part of life, right? Um, there's also that part of time. There's the aspect of time um, where a lot of people feel like, is this the right time? Um, am I getting into relationship? Okay, I have enough money now, but does that allow me to go into a relationship now? Is this the right time? I'm 19 years old. Is that, am I old enough to be in a relationship? I'm 40. Um, am I not too old to even be in a relationship? When exactly is the right time for me to get into a relationship? And um, by extension, how long do I have to be in that relationship before I get married? Is the question clear, Pastor? Interesting. Interesting question. So I'm going to reference the teaching from Sunday again. And I remember starting that teaching by enumerating the top five false indicators of readiness in marriage. Mm. And, and I understand how, you know, culturally ingrained these things must have been. The fact that age is a major thing. You know, once you begin to tick to a certain age, your parents, your friends, everybody yeah. begins to look at you in a certain way. You go to old and bed and you're no longer comfortable because you're not in a relationship. Yeah. You've not brought anybody home. And people are getting worried. And mm -hmm. so age for a lot of people, for a lot of families, especially in this part of the world, there is that major pressure that, you know, climbing that ladder of age you know, sort of brings along with itself. Mm. But what I would like to say to everyone and anyone out there is this, do not let anyone pressurize you into getting married because you are feeling late. Mm. Never. Trust me, no matter how early or late you think you're getting married for, all right, or getting married at, you will spend a lot more time that will blur mm. the lines of how early or how late, much later down the years. What I'm saying by that is this. Let's say, for example, you spend 60 years in your marriage, which is a possibility. Let's say you live for as old as 90 years and uh, you got married at 30. You're going to spend 60 years married. At that level of, you know, volume of years spent married, it wouldn't matter whether you got married 25 or 35. It wouldn't matter at that point. Mm. But it would matter if you get married early into the wrong relationship because you allowed pressure become the factor that was helping you decide when to get married. You see... Mm. we wouldn't make this type of decision with any other thing. You won't say, you know, um, it's time for me to, you know, I'm already too old to get a car or I'm already getting, you know, older, all right, and I need a car immediately. And so you just go ahead and buy the most available car in the market without really checking it and doing your thorough mm. check just because it's time for you to get a car. Nobody makes decisions like that on any matter. But when it comes to marriage, which mm. is by far the most important decision you would ever make in your life, we suddenly become jittery and anxious and we are so fearful. We don't want to, you know, we don't want any additional year to pass. Mm. As though we are the ones in charge of who we will spend the rest of our lives with. Mm. What you need to understand is that you need to trust God. You need to trust yeah. God. The reason why people are anxious is because they don't trust God. God mm. can make happen for you at 40, all right? Mm. What people are praying to get at 25 and still do not get. Mm. Your biological clock is not ticking. If God mm. says you wait till 35, wait till then. Mm. Because by the time you spend so 55 years in your marriage, it wouldn't bother you whether you got married 35, 32, mm. 21, 24. It wouldn't matter because guess what? You are 55 years old in your anniversary, in your marriage. Do you understand? It's better to get married late and get married right than get married early and get it wrong. 
because there are people who got married at 24 but broke up at 28. Mm. They divorced at 28 because they got in there too early. I'd rather get married 31 and spend the rest of my life happily married mm. than get married early, get the applause of everybody, get married in a nice hotel, you know, nice event center, you know, have a fantastic event. Everybody applauds it, puts it on Bella Ninja, and everybody's talking about it. And then two years down the line, the marriage no longer exists. Mm. You know, like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, you know, on wisdom, how that the marriage continues to get better to the degree, all right, or the, the wedding album, right, or the wedding itself, no matter how bad or good it went, it continues to get better with every successive successful season in that mm. marriage. What I mean by mm. that is the more into that marriage you go, the more beautiful your wedding album becomes, no matter how poorly managed it was, no matter how poorly planned it was, no matter how horrible your shoe looked, no matter how badly, mm. you know, your wedding gown looked on that day. If you're still in mm. that marriage and you guys are having a fantastic time, you mm. look on that album and you kiss yourselves and you laugh and you have hugs because mm. your marriage is sweet. It mm. does not matter how beautiful the album is. Mm. You get married at the best hotel, have the most fabulous time in the world in your wedding. The more you get into that marriage and you begin to detest the idea of that man in your life, if you mm. look at that album, it's going to remind you of all the mistakes you've ever made in your life. Mm. And you will detest it for the rest of your life. So, so never allow anyone... Never mm. allow anyone pressurize you to getting married, especially to the wrong person, simply because your biological clock is ticking. It is mm. better to be single for the rest of your life. Mm. For the rest of your life, which is not what God has told you. There's a promise of mm. a partner over your life. If you really desire marriage, God has a plan for you in your marriage. But then it mm. is far better to never be married for the rest of your life than to get married to the wrong person. You don't even want to attempt it. You don't want to attempt mm. it. So age should not be a factor that pressurizes us. Age should not be a factor that pressurizes us. Age, chemistry, willingness, burn rate, all of those things, financial capacity, they are false indicators of readiness. The most important indicator of readiness is the presence of wisdom. And that one is, is not age by half. Praise God. So you can be early and get married and get it right. And you can be late and get married and get it right. It really doesn't matter what age you are to be ready. It just means you need the wisdom of God to ascertain and assess your readiness for marriage. Because what you need in marriage to navigate all the complexities that comes with the terrain is the wisdom of God. Hmm. Praise God. So good. So good. So, so good. I mean, I, I hear when... Um, I hear when you say um, the reason a lot of us are anxious to get married is because we don't trust God. We don't trust God. And I think that's, that's a truth that we don't hear loudly enough. We don't hear clearly enough, right? We don't hear people say it as often as it should be said. We just feel like, well, it's normal that you're anxious. It's not normal you're anxious. <laughs> you're anxious because mm. you don't trust God, right? And that's something you should fix. That's something that you can fix. So you should fix it. And yeah. Pastor, so yeah. as, you were, you, as you were saying that, you know, another question that is on our list of questions came to mind. Someone asked, okay, all this marriage wahala is even stressful. I hear you when you say I'm anxious and this. Okay, I don't want to be anxious. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't want to marry. Is marriage compulsory? Oh, praise God. <laughs> So, um, marriage is not compulsory. Jesus made it very clear. Paul made it very clear that mm. marriage is not compulsory. In fact, Paul recommended not getting married. And he said, well, if you cannot wait, if you can't, you know, if you can't deal, then go ahead and get married. He was talking to the singles and the widows mm. in 1 Corinthians 11, I mean 7. 
All right, and Jesus also mentioned talking about the eunuchs who have been given the grace to stay celibate for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's not a gift that everybody possesses. All right, so marriage is not compulsory by any stretch of the imagination. You don't have mm -hmm. to get married. So there are those who may not get married because it's a grace given to them by God to serve Him mm -hmm. in celibacy. Mm -hmm. All right, perhaps that was the grace that was upon Prophetess Anna. And then she maybe violated it for the first seven years and she went back to that purpose. And then she served God for the rest of her life. Mm. All right. Celebrating the temple, praying and fasting for the rest of her life till Jesus came and showed up. All right. So there is that where you receive the grace for celibacy. And there are people who decide. I'm sure someone like Paul decided mm. and said the mammoth work in front of me in terms of ministry is too much to be encumbered by the need to go back home and check up on my wife and family. Let me just go, go, mm. go on this ministerial thing and assignment. Of God upon my life. And so there are people who choose to refuse to get married. There are people who have that natural endowment, who don't particularly have the affection for, you know, for marriage. That is, you know, the way it's doing you that Jesus must not come now. Jesus must not come now. Let me go and marry before he comes. They don't have such mm -hmm. things in their heart. That is, there's nothing that makes them feel like they must have sex. It's not one of those things on their bucket list. They just mm -hmm. want to please God. And it's a mm -hmm. grace. It's a gift from above. Jesus made it very clear. All right. Grace. So it's not compulsory to get married. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not, it's not compulsory. It does not, you know, it does not define how fulfilled you will live. I mean, two of the most fulfilled people in the world and ever mm. recorded in scripture were not even married. Jesus Christ, Apostle Paul, they were not married. And so how could we say Jesus being a perfect example, not getting married, all right? You know, Jesus, our perfect example, did not get married. That is, he's the perfection of our example. And he didn't get married. Mm. So that tells you that in terms of the perfection of the fulfillment of the purpose of God for a man's life, marriage may not be involved. Do you see? Mm. So you can, you can decide not to get married and still live perfectly to the letter, the call of God upon your life and fulfill the purpose of mm. God for your life to the letter without having to get married. Yes, it's very possible. Okay, Pastor. So there's a question tied to this particular question that we're answering now. Um, and okay, so from scripture, we see how Jesus says, um, it has been given to some of you to be Enoch, some from birth, some by choice, yeah. all of that. So the question now is, how does a person tell, it, tell the difference between um, this grace has been given to me to become an Enoch? Different from, <laughs> different from, different. you know, <laughs> I was to say that. Different from, you know, different. Okay. <laughs> different from, you know, you probably being a victim of a dysfunction that you have experienced from your childhood. So you probably grew up in a family where, you know, you didn't get to appreciate love. You didn't get to appreciate the concept of marriage. So it was like, I beg, I beg. I don't want to be a part of this thing ever. So how do I, how am I sure that, you know, that is not what I'm experiencing that I am now interpreting as um, God has given me the grace good question. to be single. Very good question. Now, for those who have been affected by dysfunction or, or a bad experience from their past, they will know. Mm. You will know. You, you, can't, you can't accept you're deceiving yourself when you are still yet to recover from a past injury to your emotions or a past wound or a scar, all right? And, mm. you know, and obviously you would notice some cyclical experiences in your life that lay credence to the fact that you are yet to fully recover from that particular mm. incident. 
all right so you will definitely know if you are suffering from a lack of recovery or healing from a past dysfunction or a past experience and if it is also grace you would also know you would also know moreover that one is even it it sort of seeps into your psychological, emotional, and biological domain. So mm. it's not just a spiritual thing. For those who've been mm. called to UNOP, to be UNOP, it's not a spiritual calling. Mm. It affects their biology. They mm. don't want to have sex. They don't have a desire for it. Mm. You see? It affects mm. your biology. It affects your psyche. It affects everything. Mm. All right? So you can't be called to be a UNOP and think you are not called to be a UNOP. Mm. <laughs> Do you understand? You can't be called to be a UNOP and not be sure mm. do you see and so if you have desire for sex you are not a eunuch now you can decide to please god by putting on that affection at bay and please god with your life like a person like paul which he said i also have the right to take a lead about a sister that is i can as well get married i don't have the prohibition to get married i can mm. get married all right so he decided to sort of lay down at the altar of grace and altar of the purpose of god for his life so that he could pursue the assignment of god upon his life you know fully do you understand and so there is that mm. that is you are a full-blooded man you have affections for ladies and you can be triggered and stimulated and all of that but you choose to lay aside and commit to a higher call there's that but if you're called to be a eunuch it would affect your biology you can't mm. be mistaken about it mm. Amazing. Thank you so much, Pastor. So while we were talking, there was a question that actually came up in the comment section. Um, the person was asking, how do we trust God? Because, you know, we said anxiety is simply because you don't trust God. So the person is asking, how do we trust God? Good question. Now, the only way, excuse me, the only way to trust God is to know him. Mm. Trust is built on knowledge. Mm. You can't know God or you can't trust God in an abstract context. Mm. You can't trust God without knowledge. Mm. All right. I can't trust someone I do not know. Mm. I can't. All right. So trust is built over time. Faith is built on the premise of knowledge. The more you know about God through his word, he says, this is eternal life that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus mm. Christ whom thou hast sent. The mm. more you know him, the more you learn him, the more you understand him, mm. the more you can trust him. Mm. All right, because now you know him. You know that he's bankable. You have seen him work. You have mm. seen him do stuff. You have read about what he's done in the past. Look at the boldness with which David went to the valley of Ella. It was not a gamble. It was not something he was trying out. He had seen it work in the past. He had read about Moses. He had read about how they parted the Red Sea. So mm. he was not basing his approach to Goliath on a baseless fact that, oh, they told me that God is good. They told mm. me that God is a man of war. He mm. was too sure. He knew mm. it. In the battle of the desert, he helped him with the beer and the lion, and he helped him preserve the integrity of the sheepfold. Glory to God. So when he went to the Valley of Elah, he was coming with a certain audacity. A certain mm. confidence. And the fact that he will act, all will be given to this person because he already saw himself on the other side of victory. He already saw himself there. He was not, ah, let me say how it goes. Let's not even talk about reward yet. He said, oh, we'll be mm. given to the man. He already saw mm. himself. That should tell you how confident he was. Uh, but, but that trust cannot be built on nothing. Mm. And that's mm. why Job, he said, I've been hearing you with the hearing of the ears. Mm. He says, but now mm. I see you. So he, he came through experience, through knowledge, through meditation, to a place of understanding and mm. assurance, a place of mm. you know, knowledge that I know this God. 
you know, at some point, mm. Peter could deny. At another point, they begin to stop preaching and he still couldn't stop. He had come to a place of persuasion. Mm. The same way Abraham mm. came to a place of persuasion about God. And it is mm. based on knowledge. God told Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. You've got to walk mm. with God. You've got to know God. You can't be not reading your Bible, not praying, not meditating in God's word, and mm. expect trust to be imparted on you. You can't just trust God mm. in an abstract context. Mm. It is based on mm. knowledge. So to the extent mm. that you have mingled with the knowledge of God through his word, through the spirit of God, through meditation, through fellowship with the saints, through teachings, through you know several interactions with anointed materials, it is... That is how your trust for God will continue to soar and increase and get better and better. Mm. All right? That's how it works. So you can't trust God without... And don't trust God because you want to get married. Trust mm. God because he's mm. God. Don't trust mm. God because you want to get married. So now you want to get married and I say, how do I trust God to get married? Whatever it is you'll be trusting mm -hmm. at that point cannot be said to be God. It's no longer God. It is Babala you're looking for. It mm. is shrine you're looking for. You're just looking for something to use and dispose of afterwards. If you want to trust God, trust mm. God because he's God. Trust him for your life. Don't trust him mm. because you want to get married and mm. get a husband from him. He's not an ATM. Mm. Moreover, now ATMs are never giving cash. So, <laughs> praise God. So, God is God all by himself. Trust him because he's God. Mm. Praise mm. God. So good. So good. So good. Trust cannot be imparted. You have to know God to trust Him. So don't go no down there anybody and say grace to trust, grace to trust. Get into your Bible. <laughs> Get into your Bible. Yeah. Study yeah. fellowship. Yeah. That's where you're going to learn to yeah. trust God. Pastor, it's a very interesting question that we have here. So this person is asking that how do I seek first the kingdom of God as a good child of God that I am. I really want to seek first the kingdom of God. But in the same vein, I want to position myself well for marriage. So how exactly do I balance both? I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, but I don't want to miss out on positioning myself for marriage. Interesting question. First thing I like to tell that person is, stop trying to balance God and anything. Mm. You can't balance God and anything. Imagine trying to balance God and something else. You will crash the scale. Mm. God cannot be balanced. Mm. It can't be balanced. Mm. So, you know, one thing the Holy Spirit showed me recently, Matthew 6, 33, mm. it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then you would assume that he's saying, then seek second, other things. Then seek third, other things. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all other things shall be added. You should never stop seeking first, because seeking first is seeking only. That's mm. what it really, really means. That oh, means good. when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God is not saying seek first the kingdom of God, then seek next your career, then seek, seek next your, your, your family, then seek next you know, your political ambition. No, because while you are seeking next, you are no longer seeking first. Mm. He, he never wants you to take your eyes off him. He mm. never wants mm. you to take your eyes off him. So it is seek first, seek only, seek absolutely for the rest of your life. It is while you are seeking him, other things will be added. Other mm. things, including marriage. So you don't seek God and then seek marriage and try to be balancing them. Mm. You can't balance God. You seek mm. him, get lost in him. Mm. Then while you are getting into him and loving him and knowing him and pursuing his purpose for your life, you will be finding everything that is in alignment with your purpose in him. 
mm. including your marriage, including your children, including your success in, in your career, in your business. Everything is right inside him. It mm. is as far as you begin to travel into him that you begin to collide with your own mm. purpose, including mm. your marriage. Mm. Praise the name of the Lord. Mm. So what I would say is don't try to balance seeking first the kingdom of God and you know positioning for marriage. Just seek first the kingdom of God. Seek only mm. the kingdom of God. To the extent that your marriage is in alignment with the kingdom, it is to that extent you will find your marriage in the kingdom while you're seeking mm. God. Praise God. Wow. So good. Seeking first is seeking only. So once you're seeking first, you are not seeking next. There's nothing else on your list, actually. That's no. the only thing. There's nothing else. Amazing. No. That's a hard, mm. hard truth to swallow. Yeah. Very hard one to sell because what? Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Pastor. So we're going to be asking another question. Let's talk about breakfast for a bit. Let's talk about breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's okay. talk about breakfast. So this person is asking, how can I handle breakup in a way that honors God? Hmm. Interesting. Um, is that all to the question? That is or all. Or are there more details? Mm. There are no more details, but maybe I can help the person to contextualize because, it. Because a, a, a lot of, you know, when, when you talk about breakups, you know, it's usually very contextual to mm. each relationship. So, how do you, how do you so, break so up in a way that, that honors God? So, so this person has... Let, let me try to give you the, the, the flesh. Let me try okay. to give you the flesh and answer that robust version of the question. Mm. Now, I believe the person is trying to say that, how do I know that I'm breaking up for the right reasons mm. and the right way? Mm. So let me try to answer the first question. How do I know that I'm breaking up for the right reasons? Now, you will know if you're breaking up for the right reasons, all right, if you know the word of God. Mm. At times, people break up for the wrong reasons. And the reason why they will think they are right, breaking up for the wrong reasons, is because they do not know God. Hebrews chapter mm. 4, verse 12, the Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It is a discerner of thoughts and intent of the heart. Now, if you're breaking up because you are stiff-necked, you are not collaborative. You are mm. not able to listen. You mm. have ego in your life. You're proud. You're just not willing to submit. You have issues. There are dysfunctions you've not dealt with. You're still recovering from one past hurt and you're transpiring it and projecting it into your relationships. Guess what? You can break up every single time and the problem will resurface because the problem was never with the relationship. It was with you. And if you know God, he would have pointed it out to you that there are things you need to correct. If you mm. like, have 10,000 other options. These problems will continue to surface. Mm. And so, the only way you know if you're breaking up for the right reasons is if you know the Word of mm. God. If you mm. know the Word of God, it will tell you, right, that indeed, all right, whatever it is you're breaking up for is the wrong reason or is the right reason. Now, if you're breaking up because somebody's asking you for sex and is pressurizing you, and that's the reason why you're breaking up, God is clapping for you. In fact, he's doing a standing ovation. Because you are breaking up for the right reasons because you want to please God. So what I would say is this, know the Lord. Know the Lord. If you know the mm. Lord, 
See, nobody needs to follow you around with the compass of to-dos or not to-dos when you are breaking up or why you should stay in a relationship or not. If you love mm. the Lord and you know the Lord and he is the number one priority in your life, you will treat your mm. partner with re regard, honor, and respect. Now, when you mm. break up for some reason that is already approved by God, you will now disdain that person, disrespect that person, carry their matter to town and begin to talk bad about them because you love the Lord. The love of God constrains you. You mm. won't act in a way that is inconsistent with the love of God. Even though you have broken up mm. with the person, that person does not, you know, cease to be a child of God. You continue to pray for the person and be an honorable person, even though, okay, even though you have broken up with that person for the right reasons. And if you break up for the mm. wrong reasons, if you know the Lord, you will know why. You will know they are mm. breaking up for the wrong reasons. And if you know the mm. Lord and you are breaking up for the wrong reasons, that means you shouldn't have broken up in the first place because you are breaking up for the wrong reasons. And so what I would mm. say about that is know the Lord. If you know the Lord, you have enough mm. restraints in your spirit, which is the love of God that constrains us, that helps and governs mm. your thinking and governs your attitude in breakups and situations like that. That's what I would say. Mm. Thank you so much, Pastor. So still on this breakfast matter, this is a breakfast recipient, right? The person has received <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> and this, this person has... <laughs> English breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then, you know, this person, the breakup has happened for about three years now, over three years the person you know she was in a relationship with has gone ahead to get married moved on with life but she can't seem to get past it she can't seem to get into another relationship because the hurt is so deep she has done so many things she's prayed fasted take your mind off it get to know other people stuff like that what exactly would you tell this person to do This, can, this is something that we will need to have a personal conversation about mm. because this kind of issue are things that are dealt with on a case-by-case -case basis. Mm. You don't want to um, apply a general approach to a unique challenge or a unique problem. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. So um, I'll need to ask a lot of questions. Why did you break up with that person? What happened in that relationship? Mm. Were there some scarring situations? There's some scarring events mm. in that relationship? All right, how deeply hurt were you? Have you dealt with it with God? All right, because God can heal you. God can heal the brokenhearted. All right, mm. and I would not recommend that you go from relationship to relationship until you are done resolving the hurt in your heart. Mm. Because if you go from relationship to relationship, you see, another relationship does not heal you from the scars of a former relationship. I'll say that again. Mm. Another relationship does not heal you from the scars of a previous relationship. Mm. What you will do with such a new relationship is to project your insecurities and the errors and the you know faults and the hurts and the pains and the scars of the previous relationship you mm. will project it into the next relationship and thereby mm. creating a cyclical event for yourself and it will not look like it is all men indeed that are scum and that are treating you like that mm. not knowing that you are the one projecting all your dysfunctions on them mm. such that even if you find a good man who is willing to love you so well, you are already receiving him with some level of caution, some level of scrutiny. Are you sure you're not like color? Are you sure you're not like body? Are you sure? And then you don't trust him, and because you do not trust him, even after he has given you sufficient evidences to believe that he is good, all right, and mm. he's willing to, to, to take you the long haul, and all of that lack of trust, any mm. small mistake he makes, you exaggerate it, because your mind is already fixed 
with a certain ideological dysfunction that all men are mm. bad. So you are waiting for one mistake that will justify your ideology. The moment you get that mistake, that one thing he did will not begin to weigh far more than all the good things he has done. That means you are really mm. not capable of thinking clearly and evaluating things objectively if you have not mm. overcome the hurts of the past. Mm. If you have not. Mm. Because the moment you get into a new relationship with that hurt, you are very cautious. You are very mm. careful because it's like wounds that have not been healed. It's a lot more sensitive than the other parts of your skin. You are very sensitive. Mm. So you've got to heal first. If you don't heal, mm. you have no right of engagement. You can't be mm. engaging another person until you heal. Mm. Until you heal, you can't be engaging another person. Let mm. God heal you. Let mm. God be your husband. Let him be your boyfriend. Mm. He never serves mm. breakfast. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God. He doesn't serve breakfast. He loves you with an everlasting love. Fall in love. Mm. Dive into the ocean of his deep everlasting love. Mm. You know, dive mm. into it and re receive comfort, receive grace, receive encouragement, receive love, acceptance in that love. Then after you have been inundated in that love, when you are ready, you will know. The Holy Ghost will signal it. Mm. He will signal it and you will know. Yeah. But don't be hoping from yeah. a relationship to relationship, hoping for a dysfunction to be adjusted or healed by another relationship. None mm. of us can satisfy one another. None of us. Mm. So a relationship will mm. never satisfy so If you are deeply so hurt, a relationship cannot heal you. None of us. Mm. We all need a savior, including those that are married. All of us. Mm. All right. So it's important that people get healed before they begin to attempt getting into another relationship. Mm. Thank you so much, Pastor. Wow. That was that was intense. If you if you haven't healed, you have no right of engagement. And none of us can satisfy each other. You can't be satisfied no. by your spouse. Nah, we all need Jesus. Sorry. We all need to fall in love with I, I Jesus. I need to acknowledge Pastor Timmy. I just saw that he joined, he joined the, the, the IG live session. Pastor Timmy, good to see you. Thank Amazing. you for joining us. God bless your heart. We love you thank, so much. Thank, thank you, you, Pastor Timmy. All right, so go good ahead. To see you, go sir. ahead. <laughs> all right, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Pastor. Thank you, everyone. I see that the numbers keep increasing. We have over 108 people now. Oh, 111, now. Just keeps increasing. Okay, so um, I would like us to take a second to invite people, right? Just take one second, share the link, share, um, just invite people to join this because this is such a deluge of wisdom. Nobody should be missing out on this. Nobody should be missing out. Wake them up. Tell them, wake up. Even if you are sleeping, stand up now. This is the time to be asleep. This is so good. Thank you so much, Pastor. This has been so good. So there's this other question, right? Um, so this person is asking, she says, I'm a virgin. Um, and getting into the relationship, myself and my partner already agreed, no sex in this relationship. But as we are going and going on in the relationship, our dear brother in the Lord is now saying that even if we will not have sex, we will at least have one or two kisses here and there. Sister, at least greet me with a holy kiss. What's going Oosh. on? And she's like... <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she's yeah, saying... Speaking in tongues and laying on of hands. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> And you know, I, I'm still right. saying that I, I believe strongly that 
you know, thesis are wrong in relationships. What exactly do I do? Am I wrong? Am I overthinking things? Is kissing, you know, permissible? You are not overthinking things. It is wrong. <laughs> it is wrong. All right. You know, my mm. grandma would say, whatever you will not eat, don't smell it. So mm. let's assume that sex is eaten. Kissing is smelling. Mm. And if you mm. don't want to eat it, why are you smelling it? Mm. Why are you coming near to it? Mm. Why? You know, another thing I say again is, you know, I'm going to ask this question. I think I've asked this at an LQ before. All right. If a guy is at the, you know, tip of a cliff, right? At the edge of a cliff. Mm -hmm. At what point does he fall? Is it at the point where he goes off the cliff or at the point where you hear the loud third on the floor mm. and he lands on the floor at the base of the cliff? Mm. At what point does he fall? At what point? I like to have answers. At what point does the guy fall? From the moment <laughs> that he's at the edge of the cliff. From that point. Okay, that's 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 because that's because response. Okay. At the point where he's falling off the cliff, right? Yes. Okay. At the tip of the cliff. Fantastic. Interesting. Any other feedback? All right. <laughs> yeah, smelling it though. Go ahead, Zev. You are smelling you it. See? Now, when it's I off the cliff, cliff, you see, <laughs> when you are off the cliff, you have not yet suffered the consequences of the fall. But mm. you have already created a pathway to end up at the base of the cliff. Mm. If you're not interested in... Because, listen, falling off the cliff does not break your back. Mm. Falling mm. off the cliff does not shatter your, your vertebral column. It does, not, mm. it does not kill you. Falling off the cliff does not. It is landing with a loud thud on at the base of the cliff that shatters that back. That is what kills the person. But, you see, mm. we don't avoid landing. What we avoid is falling off. If mm. you don't want to land, don't fall mm. off. Mm. Are you getting the logic? Yes. So what we try to do is that we are saying, you know what, I can be falling, but I won't land. Mm. I will be falling small, small. Mm. But I will not land. You won't hear the loud thought. Because you see, that mm. falling will not have a consequential effect that will make you feel like, mm. ah, I've done something wrong. I've done something wrong. Because you will shatter your back. It will look like it's a big deal. Because I'm just falling off. In fact, maybe even having fun coming down that mm. way. Because, I mean, I mean, you know that free flow, you know, when you're jumping on a trampoline or stuff, something, and you're just having that fun, and you're just landing. It is when you land at the base of the cliff, you realize that this was a very dangerous exercise. And that is why mm. I tell people, nobody who had sex, all right, godly believers who didn't plan to have sex, many of those unplanned sex started with kisses. They started with mm. harmless kisses. That mm. is they falling off the cliff. And by the time mm. they're falling off the cliff, God is saying, ah, you're coming down right now. You're about to land, though. Now, mm. the distance between the cliff and the base may be different for a lot of people. Some people may be falling for three months before they land. Mm. Some people mm. may fall for six months before they land. Some people may fall for one year before they land. Wow. The distance between the edge of the cliff and the base of the cliff may be different for a lot of people. Mm. But it does not mean that that landing is not inevitable. Mm. It is inevitable if you will start falling off, you will eventually mm. land. Mm. You are creating a pathway 
How can you be creating a path where you don't want to proceed in? Because it's a journey. Sex is a journey. And that's why we tell couples, foreplay is the beginning of sex. It's not the penetrative sex alone. Foreplay. And kissing is foreplay. So it's like, you know, you are creating a pathway. You are creating a pathway. And you are restraining yourself from going further. So that's, that kissing will stop being sufficient at some point. Mm. You will start touching. Okay. That touching will no longer be sufficient at some point. Mm. You will start mm. trying to do it, you know, without penetrative sex. But you'll be trying to give a form and, you know, a shape to the sex. Mm. You'll be doing the sex with your clothes on, mm. in that sense. Mm. And then you remove clothes, but you have still not started having penetrative sex mm. until you have penetrative mm. sex. And if you, by that time you now start regretting it, you should have started regretting it the moment you kissed the first time. Mm. And you desist from it. That's how you avoid landing. Because if you continue to fall, you will eventually mm. land. Mm. Yeah. It's a journey. You can't stop. Why would, why would you start something you don't want to finish? Why would you smell what you don't want to finish? Mm. Stop it. And mm. if you have the Holy Ghost in you, he will tell you. That's mm. why you're asking this question. Because you know it's mm. not right. Mm. <laughs> the Holy Ghost will tell you. He will convict your heart. He will, he, something will not sit right with you. Something will not just sit right. Mm. You kiss and you feel like, ah, you know, it's harmless. You start justifying all kinds of things. You start saying things like, at least the Bible says, kiss one another with holy kiss. Is that what we are talking about? You and I know it's not mouth to mouth kiss, brother Paul was talking about. Then you can look for one funny justification mm. for something that you and I know mm. is wrong, that mm. the Holy Ghost has told you and convicted you about. Don't fall off the cliff if you don't want to land at the base of it. I believe that is loud and clear enough. <laughs> um, very loud and clear. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. That was so good. That was actually so good. So, um, quick question, right? Just in line with this question that we've asked. These two people are in a relationship. Well, I believe God has spoken to me. You're my husband. God has revealed to me. You're my wife. I've received you from the Spirit. Along the line, you know, fornication happens right we are sorry god we don't want to do this we apologize all of that so we've repented what's the next step should we just proceed with our relationship should we stop should we break up because we have sinned and just go our separate ways so that that relationship is already contaminated what exactly is the way forward that's a very good question that's a very good question um Again, this is a question that is better administered in person. That is, mm. it's better to see the people involved before, you know, providing a clear-cut answer, mm. honestly. All right. What I would say is, as a general response to that kind of question, I would say take a break. Mm. Just to show that, that you are serious about your repentance. Mm. Take a break. You didn't, just, you didn't just do some tiny little inconsequential thing. You offended God. Mm. All right, because it is this temple you have defiled. This mm. is not some, you know, it's my body, you know, well, God didn't like it, but well, it's fine. And then you just do a flimsy, God forgive me, and you move on, and you continue mm. the relationship. It's a sign that you don't value God enough. Mm. You don't value God enough. So if you, if you, if you, you know, went wrong in your, in your relationship and you went into fornication, God takes it very seriously. You don't want to just paper over that. Because that can be a crack in your relationship and in your marriage if you do not deal with it properly. Mm. And so I'll recommend you take a break. I'm not saying you break up. I'm not saying you, 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 you break up altogether. But take a break. Both of you should show some remorse. Show some godly sorrow. Show that mm. in 
did, you feel really sad about what happened. Mm. And be accountable to people. Mm. If your pastor says you break up because of the times that he has seen, like I said, there are times you examine a situation and you say, you know what, this relationship is toxic by itself. That you guys were never even supposed to be together in the first place. So guess what? Break up. This is just the perfect opportunity to give you the leave of absence and just break up. Leave mm. each other right now. All right? That can be the situation. But if it's two godly people who love the Lord, who love one another, and it was a mistake, still take a break. Go get yourself straight with the Lord. There will be a season of accountability and reporting with another elder in the church, the pastor, or some accountability structure. Go through all of that process that they subject both of you to. Go through it. And after you must have, you know, gone through that season and you have, you know, fully satisfied the requirements of that particular process, mm -hmm. then at the right time, there will be a release to get back together. And of course, during that process, there will be protocols. There will be instructions. Don't see each other. Don't talk to one another. Don't go and see each other in private. You know, all those instructions, make sure you follow them to show that you are indeed sincere. To show that you are indeed sincere about your apology, about your remorse, about your repentance. Don't assume that, well, God will always forgive me. It shows that you are taking him for granted. You are, you are, you are doing respite to the spirit of grace. All right, so don't just take it for granted and say it's just a normal mm. thing. What who you mm. defile is actually his temple. You defile his temple, and you don't just do that kind of thing and just assume that it's not a big mm. deal. It's a big mm. deal. It's a very big sexual sin, especially, is a very big deal. He that mm. is joined with the Lord is one spirit. So after you got joined with the Lord, you became one spirit with Him. Then you joined Him with an allot. Mm. Can you imagine? So you brought a allot into his his residence. That's what you did. Oh. Because the only kind of sex that God, you know, approves of and ordains is the one that is done in marriage. That's the only one that does not violate his pre-agreed, you know, contract with you. The moment you got born again, you were in a covenant with God. You became joined with the Lord. Mm. So the moment you get involved with someone that is not yet your wife, you have defiled your temple. You mm. have brought in a harlot into the residence of God. And so you need to take some time go out of that relationship you know take some break i'm not saying break up take a break both of you especially because i don't expect that you're going into a relationship with someone that is not even a christian that does not have the same value system like you do mm. and this is for the case of believers who are christians who made a mistake that is both of them were not planning it it happened because they were negligent or they lost their guard and stuff like that they, are, they should submit themselves to an accountability structure that can help provide some level of instructions and rebuke and correction and stability over that period. And then they can come back together. If not, if the person you have submitted to for accountability recognizes that both of you were never supposed to be with each other in the first place, that would be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And both of you mm. will break up. All right. Mm. But of course, like I said, these are not things that you can just legislate over an IG Live. You need to see the situation you know, in person to, to provide some more context. Hmm. Pastor, this was too good. This response was too. I feel like standing up to just clap. Right? So, can we just take a moment to celebrate Pastor in the comment section? Can we just take a moment to celebrate him? This is, I mean, it's not easy. Almost an hour just giving us wisdom back to back. There has not been one response that has not been solid. I mean, that's so amazing. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Thank um, you, ma'am. So, this accountability thing, just before we leave the subject of accountability, um, in relationships, do you think that both, both partners,
both parties should um should have the same should be accountable to the same person is it compulsory that they are accountable to the same person or can they have different people that they are accountable to ideally they should be accountable to the same person mm. ideally in an ideal context mm. in an ideal context you don't want to have too many people that have the same level of privileged information about your relationship more than one person ideally ideally mm. you don't want to have two people three people that both of you individually give account to because mm. it defeats the purpose of accountability if the person does not have some measure of oversight over both of you mm. it becomes gossip mm. and that's what i mean so if you know i am accountable to one person my wife is accountable to another person she's talking to someone who can really not call me because i'm not accountable to that mm. person i'm talking to mm. someone who can really not call her because she's not accountable to that person what we are doing is tantamount to gossip i'm only telling her about my wife and you know just telling her about my wife and, and my frustrations and there's no redemptive purpose to that kind of accountability all right so the ideal thing is both of you limit the circle of privileged information by making it just one channel you look at one person you both talk to that one person you trust that person god has sent that person to you and then that person has the maturity the spiritual intelligence to you know understand your unique situation and um the spiritual maturity as well to manage the the nature of the sensitive information that both of you will be sharing with him mm. all right and then he can call both of you to order He mm. can speak to both of you individually and he can speak to both of you collectively all right mm. for the same cause mm. the moment you begin to divide and then you are you are accountable to one person I'm accountable to that and it's over the same marriage it defeats the whole purpose so I wouldn't advise that I would recommend that both of you you hear from God who both of you should be accountable to because it's not one mm. marriage it's not mm. two people trying to figure out should I marry him should I marry that and then both of you are consulting to different people no this is not the marriage both of you are now together you then be accountable to one person under god do you understand so it's one entity now so it's like you're dividing yourself to be accountable and that's no longer accountability okay mm. so you, you you need to have one channel that that that's that's wiser that's better amazing pastor i would really love that you speak to speak directly to the subject of accountability in relationships especially because in this generation everybody just wants to do their thing love why love do my thing on a low key i don't want anybody yeah. to know you know so what where exactly is the place of accountability i'm i'm born again i'm spirit filled i have the holy ghost you know i know what i'm doing he speaks to me i speak to him both of us are you know so why exactly do i need oversight why do i need to be accountable somebody explain so good so good so good anyone who has a the problem with being accountable is planning to be rebellious mm. Mm. anyone who today has a problem with being accountable he's planning to be rebellious in mm. the future there's no other way around it if a partner has a problem with you being accountable he is planning to release the fullest extent of his violence his lust without restraint in the future mm. remember what we talked about last week how that the guy was in terms it couldn't be changed it is a sign of a mad person in a relationship mm. when you're in a relationship and you have a problem with being changed with being restrained with being told what to do 
with being accountable. So it is because you are planning to be rebellious. Wow. Because why should you have a problem with being accountable? If you are not planning to go to places that you know somebody will tell you not to go to, and you don't want to have that restraint, so you want to go anywhere you want to go. Mm. So that's the only reason why you would not want accountability. And that is why it is more consistent with our generation of Gen Zs and millennials, because we really do not like people telling us what to do. So mm. we are planning to not have restraints. That's why we, don't, we, we lack accountability. Wow. So when you do not have accountability structures around you, you see it is a very red flag, especially for ladies. Look out for it in a man, because there are a lot more men that lack accountability structures than women. Women are far more predisposed to be accountable. They are far more predisposed. Far more. You know, while I was on campus, it will shock you. I went, you know, I, I, it was our first date. I was going to take my wife to Ventura in Ibadan. I was going to come back the very same day. And mm -hmm. then my wife called her mom, who would never have known whether she went out or not. I mean, you're supposed to be in school. I mean, as long as you're in school, nobody called me about you doing anything wrong. And she called her mom just to tell her that, you know what, my friend and I will be going to Ibadan. I'll be back that same day. It touched me in a very special way because wow. that gave me that impression that, you see, this person does not plan to be rebellious. It's not part of her plan. Mm. She does not plan to be outside of covering. She doesn't, mm. she doesn't want to go to a place where her parents will not at least have that level of goodwill about. She was willing to be mm. accountable to someone that will and may never know if she traveled or not, if she went to Ibadan or not. Mm. And she was willing mm. to be accountable. For me, for example, I never really called my parents for that because a guy is not naturally predisposed to always have to tell people where he's, what he's doing because we, we like to be independent. We like to, to own our stuff, own our decisions. And so mm. it, it takes a bit of an extra, you know, effort for a guy to go about the ideas of accountability because we like to be in charge. We like to be in control. Do you see? Mm. And so if you are in a relationship with a guy or you, there's a guy coming around you and you can see that he does not, he does not have an accountability structure around him, it's a very mm. red flag. Because mm. any guy who cannot be chained is planning to be violent. Mm. Any guy who cannot mm. be chained, because that chain there is talking about restraint, it's talking about control, it's talking about limitation. And if he does not already subject himself to that form of accountability structure by himself, mm. uh, he's planning to release the full wrath of his violence on his partner or his mm. lust on other wow. people against his partner because he has nobody that can call him to order. Wow. And so it's a very important thing, gently or not, it doesn't matter who you are, mm. you need to have someone that you are accountable to, that you tell things, that you, and you give them unsolicited reports mm. about your endeavors, mm. about your life, about your relationship. Unsolicited. They don't have to ask for it. And guess what? You also give them the permission in advance to adjust, correct, rectify, ratify any of your so decisions good. without concern for how you are feeling. If God mm. called them your father, if God called them your pastor, if God called them your instructor for that season, guess what? Many of the things they will tell you to do may not be in alignment with what you already want to do. But there yeah. is a reason why they are there. And they mm -hmm. can save you from your own foolishness. Yes. Do you see? So you, you give yes. them solicit the relationship that I, I was in a relationship before I met my wife is the worst relationship I have. I mean, not like I had many of anyways, but I've, said, I've shared this story several times. The little step that it was a horrible relationship was the fact that nobody knew. It was me, myself, mm. and I that I was accountable to in the entire relationship. That, and it was disaster. Mm. And it was a little step. So you mm. ask him, okay, who else in your, who, 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 do, you, who, who do you submit to? And he says, nah, no, 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 Jesus Christ. Ah, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus came. <laughs> There's no human being I can run to. 
Please, mm. Jesus, stop. Okay. <laughs> okay. Please, let me just pack my bags and be going. Do you see? Mm. So, it's a very important thing to look out for. The guy has to be accountable mm. to someone. He has to allow himself to be restrained by another person apart from himself. Mm. He cannot be the highest mm. governing authority in the relationship. No. Somebody else has mm. to be over him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So good. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Accountability should be unsolicited. So you, you should just give those reports. Just come. Bear you don't forget to be don't forget that you went to a house or you mm. came to your house. Don't forget. Mm. Say it. Don't be forgetting. Stop forgetting. Yeah. Unsolicited. <laughs> Catch your sub, right? Yeah. All right, amazing. <laughs> There's something we want to talk about now. Tribe. We want to discuss tribe. 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 I mean, such a big issue from the questions that we've seen, seeing that a number of people have had issues with tribe. So that's, that's I feel like reading this question like Chima Amanda. So um, this question says, as an Igbo Christian, our traditional wedding comes first before our white wedding which could be a month or two before the cut and white wedding. As tradition states, we have to move in the next day. Hallelujah. Is that even possible to move into his house before being married at a church? Can we start staying together after a cut wedding, like before you go to church and all? So can we start living together since we are traditional, traditionally married and legally married, you know, before the church. Sorry, sorry. Remember that page. Now, this question, eh? Praise God. Pastor has cooked it well for yeah. us. This particular <laughs> So I saw this question and I thought, boy, I need to to give it the way it is. Now I understand the person's I understand the person's um concerns, or should I say considerations i mean uh traditionally you know engagement for us is the wedding and some people say no court is the wedding and some say oh no it's the church that is the wedding so which one is more of the wedding than the other one and i think we're just being very uh we're not being sincere we're not being sincere mm -hmm. if you had church as part of the ceremonies in the first place why do you want to consummate before you finish the ceremony why Mm. Because living together is tantamount to consummation. Mm. Let me explain to you what consummation is. To consummate, all right, or consummation is the point. Look, look at that. Consummation is the point at which something is complete or finalized. Mm. I repeat that. Consummation is the point at which something is complete or finalized. Mm. This is why sex is the consummation of marriage. It is mm. very anticlimactic. For you to yeah. have your engagement, your traditional engagement, have your court wedding, then you start living together, and you still plan to do church, then mm. that is no longer consummation, because you would have consummated before you finish the ceremonial side to the entire thing. Why mm. did you plan it? If you don't intend to finish the entire ordeal, then consummate. Consummation is not part of the ceremony. It's supposed to come mm. after all the ceremonies. So you, why do you plan it? If you didn't want to do church, don't plan it as part of your... Why would you not be telling me, oh, uh, we have done court, we have done engagement, but we have not consummated, or we are already living together because in our culture, 
we, we can start living in the same house even though we have not done church. What is the hurry? If you have abstained for the last two years of your relationship, is it the next two weeks that you will die from? Mm. I don't understand. Is it the next two weeks you will die from? Praise God. So good. And so let's let, let, let be sincere with ourselves. You have mm-hmm. put yourselves on And there's some people who test themselves. So you put, you put introduction in December 2022. You put... You put engagement in July 2023. <laughs> then you put you put in November 2023. Then you put uh, 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 you now put church wedding. You put an April 2024. I don't know what are you trying to do? <laughs> are you running a relationship? Because you have planted trees on this across the landscape of your life. What's the problem? Do you understand? Just ensure you have kept it at, you know, some paced distance, not, you know, not too far so it doesn't become obnoxious, but also not too close, so it doesn't stress you. Plan it well, and it's part of the ceremony, it's a string of ceremonies. And if you're going to finish that, then consummate. There is no point consummating before finishing the ceremony, because it's going to be very anticlimactic. You get to the wedding, and you get to the church, and trust me, you will not like the feeling. You will not mm. underwhelming. You just had sex two nights ago, because you live in the same house. You literally came from your house to the wedding. You came to come and do church wedding. They said, now you may kiss the wife. And you have been kissing the wife for the past three weeks. <laughs> kissing, having sex. And then now you make it. Who are you deceiving? Then now, now, kiss the wife. Right. And then you, it's not now. You should correct the person. It's been for a while, sir. Uh, actually, it's not now. We are going to be kissing. <laughs> What's the point? Why would you add church wedding to your ceremony if you didn't need it? Then mm. remove it. Because you mentioned happens after ceremonies consummation is the point at which something is complete or finalized mm. if there is an mm. additional ceremony after consummation that additional ceremony was very non-necessary it was mm. indeed ceremonial it was not functional wow. you understand if it is functional then finish it then consume it because there's no point mm. in living together and you'll be telling me you're not having sex you're already having sex if you're living mm. together and if you wait two years mm. in your relationship there's no point all right, burning now two weeks to the wedding. Finish the entire ceremony. Like mm. it now, you make his wife. See the way our brother was rejoicing that day because indeed he was now you bro. Praise God. Do you understand that? And then yeah. you consummate after all of that. You consummate. Mm. You have finalized it. Praise mm. God. Let me mm. end there. Wow. Let me end there. So don't leave with each other until all the ceremonies are finished. And don't your parents wow. did not force you to have sex with your wife. Your parents did not force you to be living together. Tradition is tradition. All right. Wow. God's word is God's word. So don't don't mix the two of them. Don't say hey, our tradition says that don't plan church. And it's okay not to plan church. You don't have if you don't want to plan church, don't plan church. But don't plan church and make it useless. Mm. You understand? So, so mm. yeah. So good. Wow. Wow. So good. Amazing. <laughs> Pastor, I, I I want you to speak to something, right? And that will be sleepovers and cohabitation, which has become a, you know, a normal thing, has become a norm in our generation. I mean, it's a normal thing for ladies to go over to their boyfriends because, you know, Lagos is busy, traffic. There's no time to see each other during the week. So I have to go there on Friday night, you know, so that I can wear his shirt and his boxers and his... Sleepers, you know, <laughs> and you know, I will just cook because we need personal time, we need to bond so that this, you know, this relationship.
relationship so that I can grow really so it can become better because yes we don't really have time to see each other and to you know meet each other so how uh, is is considering the Lagos you know situation honestly right considering how Lagos is traffic as this traffic situation is very bad do you think there's anything wrong with me sleeping over in my boyfriend's house you know just sleeping over for the weekend you know, I'm not living with him. I just sleep in a bed. Nothing. Everything is wrong with it. Mm. Everything is wrong with mm. it. Mm. Everything is wrong with it. Everything is wrong with it. You see, as a Christian, you've got to be careful the things you see as expedient. Mm. You see, at the level of mm. Christianity and at the level when you're still growing, you'll be talking about is it a sin or not. At a certain mm. level, you'll be thinking is it expedient. Paul at a mm. level. Was no longer sin or no sin. That was a, the, it's a conversation for the babes, according to him. He said, these things, mm. it's a matter of expediency. When I measure mm. it, does it make sense in the scale of God? That is, does this thing have a redemptive ROI? What's mm. the point? What am I really trying to achieve? Mm. Now, when you talk about sleeping at your partner's house before, you know, I mean, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not, um, you're not living together. You're just, you know, there, there's no, there's no, quote unquote, there's no way to get back. You mm. give yourself that reason. Because mm. while it was getting late, you were watching the time. It's a very, mm. it's a very convenient excuse. It's a very convenient mm. excuse. So I'll give myself as an example. My wife was living in Falulu, in Surulere, and we're dating, and I was working in Bagada, and I was living in Mujutubega. And I'll leave work. It was very late because I was executive assistant to two very busy executives. And it was very tedious. And sometimes I'm leaving work around seven and we want to see, we need to see because relationships, you need that level of engagement. And so I will go to our house 7 p.m. I'll enter bus, stressful after a long day, go there and be refreshed. Because by that time, my wife would have, well, back then, my, my babe should have cooked something, prepared something. So I'll get there, you know, eat and be refreshed. Praise God. But guess what? It can be 10 p.m. 11 p.m. I'm going to do that night. Mm. If I perish, I perish. That's the mindset you must have. There are some things you should never negotiate. You mm. are not homeless. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you are not homeless. There are some things you should never negotiate. Go home. Mm. Don't try yourself. Why are you trying yourself? Why are you putting fire under your bosom? You will be burned. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. And even while she was living there, she never lived alone. She had a, at least two people that were staying with her, you know, at every point. And so it was not, oh, it's a situation of we go there and then for the next three hours we're all by ourselves. You don't want to create, oh, fed by issue, lie. Let's get mm. into the now. You don't want to create room for the enemy. You don't want to mm. create room for the enemy. Mm. And so you've got to be very mm. careful because mistakes will happen and mistakes will lead to errors that you may never recover from. And so it's important that you go home, book mm. your Uber. It can mm. be 5K, book it. It is, mm. it is, there is nothing that you expend in the path of conviction and propriety, all right, that is not worth it. Because it mm. is the consequences of not investing in that Uber. Can you imagine the foolishness? You slept over and then something terrible happened and then you regret for the rest of your life and a 5K Uber could have saved you from that. Think about it. Mm. That's gold. Go. What are you looking for? Go. Go. Home. Go home. Yeah. Go so that's home. what I would say about that. So don't 
there's no need to sleeping over, except of course in situations where she say, say for example, she came over to see you in your parents' house and she stays over because that's the context. All right. Of course, she will stay because she did that a couple of times in my brother's house and in my father's house in the Kurudu. She, she came over and of course she slept in different rooms. My mom made sure of that <laughs> because that's something you won't even try. You are right here in your family house. <laughs> so that one is safe. <laughs> because there are people around, your parents are there. They're not going to let any funny thing happen. All right. So at least you are, you are within that context. And I'm going to speak a bit more about this tomorrow. All right. We're going to mm. speak a bit more about looking forward yeah. to it already yeah. okay amazing so we're going to take about two more questions and then we'll call it a night amazing yes, yes. it's been quite a, a, a night <laughs> there's service <Yes>. tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> actually it's been a stretch okay so let's just take about two more questions right and this is about family because i mean you can't take away family from relationships so we're going to this person says what do you do when your parents as the man are not granting marital consent for you to proceed to get married. Now, the second part of the question says they and their pastor believe that the enemy, aka village people, have a special plan to cut short your destiny through marriage. Interesting. What do you That's do? a new one. <laughs> Very new. <laughs> now, um, what I would say about that is, let, let, let me put, let me answer them in, let me recreate the context in two parts, right? The first one, you know, your parents, they love you. It's, no, it's not so much about a pastor or any prophet. They just don't want you to marry somebody that is not in your tribe because of their reasons. I mean, mm. they probably had bad experiences in the past with that particular tribe. And so they are very, you know, they're just very careful and maybe in some cases very aggressive about their prohibitions mm. against you marrying from that tribe and all of that. Number one, as much as possible, um, have your non-negotiables with God in the place of prayer. Mm. All right? If you're convinced about that person, let it be a non-negotiable factor. That is, your mm. parents will not push you away from God's will for your life. Have that non-negotiable conviction about this person before you even go into the table of appealing to your parents because that's the next step mm. after having a, because if you are if you don't have a non-negotiable conviction about that person your parents will sway you other things will sway you a prophet will sway you because you don't even have a conviction by yourself have your conviction be sure that that man is your man be sure that that baby is your babe be sure that that person is your partner is your wife is your husband then go to your parents and begin the appeal process begin to appeal mm. And ensure mm. that you satisfy the entire protocol of appeal. Beg them. In fact, be willing to sacrifice one extra year or even two extra years on the platform wow. of appeal. Wow. Just so that you can show to your parents that you really desire their blessing. You will mm. eventually wear them out with your patience. If, because wow. ultimately, so ultimately, mm. they would rather you are married and happy Mm. Mm. That, and you are unmarried because you didn't marry somebody that you mm. know they didn't want you to marry mm. they would rather mm. you are married and happy they don't like the fact that the husband came from this tribe that they don't like but they would rather that you are happy by the time they are faced with the possibility of having a child that is not married and this man has stayed with her for the last two years just to convince them if the 
might indeed love you, they mm. will come down to your level and allow it because you have shown tremendous mm. long suffering and patience, but you did not bow, you did not cower, you did not change your mind. You were just patient through the negotiations, telling them that this is the man. We are willing to you know, continue to pray and hope that you come around. Now, after you have satisfied all of those protocols and you have explored all of those options, you've appealed to them. After mm. two years, for example, they still did mm. not bend. They did not bend. They didn't even attempt to think about it. Then you can then begin to explore other options. You can get, oh. of course, in those two years, you probably bring your pastor, you bring other people, family members, people you can get on your side to appeal to them. If all those things fail, if you go ahead to marry under God, you have wow. done your best. Because God will not expect you to sacrifice your marital destiny because of your parents' sentiments. He won't. He won't. Wow. You, he wow. doesn't expect you to sacrifice your marital destiny on the strength of your parents' sentiments. That's what I would say. So um, if, if they do not you know, align with you because you are very certain, but they do not align with you, they're not willing to consider your own position and your, they're not willing to consider you in any way. You're not getting married for them. They're already married. You're not getting married for them. So oh. at the end of the day, you will have to move on with your life mm. and continue to hope that they will come over. But for mm. you to now say you will break up because your parents, that means you were never convinced. You didn't mm. have conviction. Mm. And if you mm. break up because of the traditional bias, will they rather you get married to someone that is from your tribe or is beating you? Mm. Mm. Would, you, would they rather you get married to from your from your tribe? But he's he is he, adulterous. He's wow. gonna cheat on you. He is not mm. your husband, but they are comfortable with it. That means you are marrying for them. Is their marriage mm. living in, in the second generation? It's not your marriage. Mm. <laughs> mm. You see, and so at some point you will have to just take that high road of you know what? I tried my best, and God sees my heart. But I'm not gonna sacrifice the marital destiny on the strength of your own sentimental bias. Because if you mm. probably lived in my generation, you wouldn't have had that same bias. It was probably your generation that had that bias, and you guys went very strongly to that bias. I'm not going to be affected by that bias, but I'm going to try all I can to appeal to you that you come on my side. And by my patience and love suffering, hopefully you will come to that level of realization that indeed these people are meant for themselves. But you must... Not that after one month, your parents are not agreeing. One month, you're already printing poster. You're already printing cards. You're, you're, you're inviting your pastor. You say, come and bless my parents. I don't care about them. Ah. That's very unwise. Don't do that. Ooh. Ensure that you explore every possible means of reconciliation and appeal before you oh. take any drastic measures. So good. Wear them out with patience. Amazing. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard this particular question responded to in this light. Never. This is so good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. So the last question, right? Last question for tonight. For tonight, because we still have a lot of questions, but for tonight, let's take this. <laughs> let's take this question as the last question, and it's still about parents, right? Um, you're in a relationship with someone whose parents seem overly involved in the decisions they make concerning the relationship, right? Or concerning their lives. It's almost like, oh, you are doing this because mommy said. You are doing this because daddy said you are doing this and this so the lady automatically has fears right of can i marry this kind of man am i sure you know we are going to be able to make decisions on our own as a family and context you know this man still lives with his parents and 
there isn't exactly any plan to move out yet. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are very many red flags in one person. Many red flags. In fact, the guy is all red right now. <laughs> Too many red flags. All right. Um, I would not recommend that you go ahead with a relationship or marriage with such a person. I will not. Because it violates mm. the principles of oneness. Mm. The two will not become two. The two will become one. If that one is becoming 1.5, 1.3, 1.2, because parents mm. are involved, you know, somebody is involved, it threatens the integrity of that marriage to mm. start with. So mm. you need a man who is his own man. Mm. You don't need a man mm. who is still, you know, just... Uh, pandering to his parents' wishes and desires and all of those things. And there are a lot of factors that could lead to him becoming that person. It could be a situation where he's probably the only child or something like that, and he's always been dependent on his parents. It could mm. be a situation where his personality is just predisposed to always seeking the mm. parents' you know, guidance on every single thing. And it's not wrong to be accountable to your parents. No. They are people that have their fathers as their mentors and as their spiritual fathers. And it's fine because the, if the father is you know, well in that capacity to uh, provide oversight on literally almost everything. And there is a difference, okay, from when you're being accountable to your parents on the level of, okay, my parents should know this, uh, from when you cannot even make simple basic decisions as the man in your own home, all right, without mm. asking parents, asking your mom, asking, you know, your dad, what do you think? Okay, oh yeah, where do we name our children? In fact, what, what do we name my child? Oh yeah, where, where do we get married? Okay, um, you know, when, when, where, how, every single thing you're asking, your wife tells you, okay, let's do this. And I'm like, ah, let's, let's talk to mommy. Eh? What, what does mommy think? <laughs> and all of that. It, it's, a, it's a very red flag. It's a red flag. Mm. And if you notice that in a relationship, until it's resolved, don't go ahead. Mm. I will not recommend you go ahead. Mm. I, will, I will not recommend you go ahead at all. Because his commitment is really not to you anymore. That's what, you remember what we said on Sunday? The weight a woman carries is so powerful that she's like a magnet that draws his that draws his a man right from her parents or from his parents. Mm. That's a massive magnet. Mm. Now your parents have a magnet, but the magnet your woman commands is bigger, and the circumference and the you know um, circle of what do you call that stuff now? Uh, I can't remember the, the technical name. That circle is wider than the circle that the magnet of your parents pull. pull. Yeah, that, that, that magnetic force field. That pull that your wife commands is stronger than the one that your parents command. Because the moment you find her, Bible says you leave to cleave. Mm. Now, you, you, mm. you, you now leave, but you are not fully cleaving because you are still bringing and importing ideologies, uh, decisions, instructions from your former life into your new life, and you are not contaminating mm. the integrity of your new life. It's a very red mm. flag. And so mm. if a man is not a man by himself, he really cannot fully live. That means he will never really mm. fully cleave. And mm. if he cannot cleave, both of them will not become one. Mm. That means mm. you, are not in re you are really not in a relationship. You are just in a social club. You are in a relationship with his mom, his father. You know, it's just a powerful thing. All right? So mm. it's important that you establish that he's a man of his own and he's not a mama's boy. All right? And um, then, then we can move on from there. If you, if you can deal with it, if it's not a major challenge, if you can, if you can deal with it and he can grow from it, ensure that you see evidences of that sign of growth and all of it before you go mm. ahead. But while he's still that person that keep pandering or that keep pandering to his parents' desires and will and, and all of that, guess what? They would also begin to manipulate him with that level of leverage that they have in his, in his life.
and the day yeah. they don't they no longer like you you'll be the first person to suffer for it you'll be the first collateral damage mm. all right another thing i need to say is this as much as children need winning from their parents all right parents also need winning from their children so you should know where to win your parents you should know when mm. you know when mm. to win your parents when to win them off that level of overbearing you know tendency that they have and mm. it's normal you know parents have been parents all their lives they they took care of you they sent you to school they worried about everything about you they fed you they, you know they worked because of you so everything about their lives has been shaped by their desire to parent you right so they mm. have serious affection for you so don't blame them too much it's just it's natural instinct but you are the mm. one that should know when to begin to win them off because you will not say because mm. your child loves milk so much you you will keep him perpetually dependent on milk you will win mm. him you will cry initially she will cry initially but she needs to be weaned if she will grow mm. you also yeah. need to win your parents if the relationship will not become toxic and dangerous you need to win mm. your parents mm. all right so it may mean that sometimes you leave their house start earning a living start working with your friends start whatever you need to do to get out of that roof and then begin to send them money it is one of the most powerful ways to win your parents start sending them mm. money start sending mm. them money start sending them big money they tell them how they should spend this money they had you to start becoming the parent over them one day you just tell them hey, so this what i want to do i say oh you're not that you're not that that's very good you know me because you are already providing for them as well mm. but while you are still collecting mm. pocket money collecting collecting you not say you want to marry marry what can you can you marry what you can tell me you can see i mean become a man first do you see so all of those things need to be addressed before um the guy can then prove that he indeed can handle the relationship mm. thank you so <laughs> wow Tonight has been beautiful. Amazing yeah. on so many levels. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. This has been great. Can I see our comments? How has this been for us tonight? This has been so good, so good. Pastor, do you have mm. any final thoughts? Anything you probably want to share just finally in one uh, minute? Well, I didn't prepare any final thoughts like that. But what I'll say is love the Lord. Love mm. the Lord. Let the Lord be your first lover. Let him be the lover of your soul. Love him. Mm. Love him. Mm. If you love him, you won't get it wrong. Just love him. Love him. Love him. That's that's mm. really what I would like to say. Love him. Love the Lord. Let him own your heart. Let him own it. Fix mm. your heart on him. Fix your gaze on him. Love him with all of your heart. Let's see. Love him so much that if you find the best reflection of your spec and he says no, you won't think about it twice. You leave him. Mm. Love him that mm. much. Yes. That is the height of your spec list. This is the human all right fabrication of that spec list. That is God went to the laboratory, looked at your spec list, created a man, brought him to you. If you saw that kind of a man and God tells you that is not him, don't think twice about it. Leave that man. If your love for God is not that strong, then you need to work on your love for God. The challenge is that a lot of people don't love God. They love themselves. Love the Lord. Mm. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. You won't miss it in marriage. The Lord will help mm. you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, everyone that Thank joined you. us tonight. Wow! What a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.